In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Amen. May God bless the reading of, uh, of his word. Uh, all of the readings of his word this evening, and thanks to all the readers as well. Uh, tonight we're going to pause uh, for a moment, uh, and we're going to just take some time to focus in on one of the readings we've read already, Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 8 to 20. Uh, we're going to do so because through this passage we see another facet of Christmas and what it can mean uh, for each one of us. Uh, through these words in Luke's Gospel, we catch a powerful vision of God's heart for you and for me. Uh, the more and more that you and I dig into Luke 2, 8 to 20, the more we understand the fact that this is an incredible truth. God has a promise for each one of us. God has a promise. And it's a promise for each and every person who has decided to follow him. For everyone who has chosen to make Jesus Lord of our life, God has a promise. Uh, this week I was reading something that I thought was really helpful as we think about Christmas. Uh, the premise of what was said uh, was this. The Christmas seasons that we find ourselves in, each and every year of our lives, tend to have an intensifying effect on whatever it is we experience at that particular moment in time. Uh, Christmas intensifies both the good and the bad as we go about all of the different activities and festivities contained within this celebration. So to share with you a few positive examples of what I mean by this. Uh, firstly, we can have precious moments, meaningful moments with family and friends and, and the wide variety of people that God has placed into our lives. Christmas can often make those moments more possible, but Christmas can often make those moments more profound and more impacting for us because of how special this time is. Uh, alongside that, there is never a better time for those of us who love Jesus to share Jesus with others. Uh, Christmas in many ways is an open goal for us. Uh, in the midst of all of our different traditions and celebrations, we can point people to Jesus and share the good news with others. So we have a tremendous opportunity to say, yes, this is what we do at Christmas. But let me just share why we do this, what the origin of all of this means, and how this, this truth can change your life. It's changed my life, it can change your life. Christmas as a whole can often be a season of great celebration, joy. It can be a lot of fun as we connect with one another through different gatherings and moments of celebration. We enjoy the food, uh, we enjoy the games, we enjoy the social connection, and often more at this time of year than, in, than at any other time of the year. Um, but as we all know, Christmas doesn't just intensify the good. Uh, and often uh, it can also intensify the difficult, the hard, the painful as well. And I think we can all recognise that tonight. Christmas can be a season where instead of blessing, there is burden. Uh, the pain, the heart, the hardship, that we have been through in Christmases past mean that when we come to celebrate Christmas again, this pain can be re revisited. And Christmas also has the potential to uncover the state of our souls, to reveal what's really going on within our hearts, the desire we can have to take rather than to give, to divide rather than unite, to hold on rather than let go, to slander rather than encourage. 
And at Christmas, we do not suffer more than other times of the year. But the suffering can feel greater in the midst of what is supposed to be a season of goodwill and joy. Uh, all of which means that the felt pain of our difficulties can cut deeper and last longer. Having spoken to many people over the years, uh, they've said to me that they can feel more lonely, more stressed, more discouraged, more dismayed, more hurt and upset in this season than in any other season. Why is that? Because Christmas has that intensifying effect on us. The good and the bad are turned up a couple of notches, maybe even more than a couple of notches. And I'm aware of the fact that you may not identify with everything I've said there, but you'll know the reality that Christmas is more often than not, it's a blend of both blessing and burden. You might even say that Christmas is a microcosm of our lives and the varied experiences that we can have. When we look at the totality of our lives, we can recognise there is a wide variety of, of blessed and joyous moments alongside a wide variety of difficult and painful moments. We go through the best of times and the worst of times, not only at Christmas, but through our lives as a whole. So the question I want to ask tonight, what do you turn to when you are going through these varied experiences in life? What do you do? Who do you turn to? When all is well, when life is one big joyous occasion, what do you centre yourself in? And when all is not well, when life is really tough, what do you go to? Where do you go to? I'm thankful that in our passage we see an important example of how it is we should respond. And it's an example we find in the most unlikely group of people. It's the example of the shepherds. Their example is a positive one because they actively choose to cling to a promise from God. And it's not only a promise for these shepherds, it's a promise for every single one of us tonight. And that's good news. And this promise will help us as we try and discern how to navigate through these varied circumstances of life, both the good and the bad. So let's just read this passage again, um, just so we have an idea of what's going on with these shepherds. Because through their example, we not only see what God was doing for them, but we also see what God was doing in them. All of which is so important for us tonight as we think about Christmas and as we think about our lives. So in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20, Luke says this, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favours. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. The shepherds' lives were transformed. 
And although the text never explicitly tells us this, we know from other contextual evidence that the shepherds were also most likely three other things. These guys were poor. They were poor. They did not have aspirational jobs. Um, their job tended to be a role that was passed down through family lines. Sons would do their father's job and their sons would continue on in the shepherding tradition. And tending sheep, although necessary, it was not of huge economic benefit. It did not bring in significant revenues either for the shepherds or the communities they were a part of. So first of all, they were poor. Number two, they were outcasts. The very nature of the job was to be out in the fields. So they experienced physical marginalization. And this would have a societal impact as well in terms of being ostracized on a regular basis. And again, though the text never says this explicitly, we can be confident that working with animals and doing so separate from everyone else, it was not something that would be appealing to the rest of society. Most likely they were looked upon as second-class citizens. So they were poor, they were outcasts, number three, they were sufferers. Shepherding in the days of Jesus, it was a difficult, tough, hard, laborious job, constantly outdoors, no matter the weather, sometimes in dangerous situations, oftentimes feeding, caring, protecting a herd of animals that were dirty, diseased, at times wanting to do their own thing. It was not a job for the faint-hearted. These were tough men who worked in tough conditions for long hours, and no one, no one would be giving them a pat on the back for all their hard work. These were forgotten guys doing a forgotten job. And it's this group of people that God chose. It's these guys that God chose to reveal his good news of great joy. And I find that incredible. God didn't choose some well-respected, loved, popular group in Judean society. No, God chose these rejects, because this is his heart. This has always been his heart. Have a look tonight at the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 1, in verses 27 to 29. Paul says this, Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. And what is this by description of the shepherds? This is very much who they were. At this moment in time, at this particular place, and for those of us who love and follow Jesus today, what is this, dare I say it, but a description of you tonight? In our passage, the angel proclaims that this is good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And praise God for that. Today, I want to thank God that everyone has the opportunity to receive the message of the gospel and the gift of a relationship with Jesus in their lives. Everyone has an opportunity. But the biblical reality is that not all will, not all will receive him. In fact, it's a select group of people. It's those who recognize they can't do life without God. And Paul tells us who it is in 1 Corinthians. It's the foolish. It's the weak. It's the insignificant. It's the despised. It's the nothings who will come to him. 
and ask for his grace. Because they recognize that in their weakness, they need Jesus more than anything else in this world. They need Jesus to save them. They need Jesus to change them. They need Jesus to lead them. They need Jesus to help them day by day by day. I wonder if that's your testimony tonight. Now for a second, I want you to imagine being a shepherd at this precise moment of angelic visitation. In the middle of the night, it's cold. You're tending your flock. You're chatting away to your fellow shepherd buddies. And then the angel of the Lord appears with the glory of God shining all around him. And of course, you would be absolutely terrified. No question about it, you would lay an egg. We would all lay an egg in this moment. But then in the midst of overwhelming fear, you somehow manage to listen to what the angel says. Something connects. The angel is communicating and you are processing and connecting with what he's saying. And you realize that, that God is stepping into human history here in a way which he has never done so before. And suddenly you begin to journey in your heart from, from a place of terror to actual excitement, from a place of fear to a place of peace, from a place of hopelessness to real and authentic hope. And then you start to realize, like what we looked at last week with Mary, that God has decided to choose shepherds in spite of who they are, not because of who they are. Without question, they must have thought, we don't deserve any of this. I can't believe this is happening to us. God, according to his grace, he has decided to choose us. What a privilege, what a savior. We're not taking any credit here. This is God and his sovereign choice was us in spite of who we are. And what changes everything for these shepherds, what changes everything for us is that the promise from the angel here is a promise of good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy for all the people. That promise shows us that it's not only what God has done for us, as incredible as that is, God has done so much for us. That promise shows us it's what God is doing in us, what God is at work in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, through our circumstances, for our good, but more importantly, for his glory, so that people can see evidence of God in our lives and people can turn in faith in light of who we are and what God is doing within us. So what do we turn to when life is going well? Going back to that original question. What do we turn to? What do we turn to when life is going well? What do we turn to when life is difficult? Who do we turn to when life is going well? And who do we turn to when life is difficult? My invitation to you is to turn to this promise contained within Luke's gospel. It's a promise of good news. It is good news. And it's a promise of great joy. Great joy, not partial joy, not half-hearted joy. Great joy. And it's a promise to everyone who's willing to respond in faith. And it's something that you can experience today. You don't have to wait for that. You can experience that today. You see, the good news within this promise is the good news that God has come on a rescue mission. He has came to rescue us. And he came in a rescue mission because we all needed rescuing. Hands up. We all needed rescuing. 
we have always needed rescuing. We all fell short. We decided in our hearts that God was not enough for us. We needed something else and we chose to go our own way and do our own thing. We chose to be completely separate from God and has left each one of us broken, sinful, helpless, hopeless. We all live in the aftermath of a life that is separated from God. And this is not just a separation now. This will be, if we choose in unrepentance, this will be a separation forever. If we choose to remain separate from God in this life, we will be separate from God for eternity. And God in his love, he chose to respond to this by sending his one and only son to live amongst us. It's the story of Christmas. God chose to live amongst us. And as God's son lived amongst us, he died for us and he rose from the dead. It's a story of Easter. God lived amongst us Christmas. God died for us. God rose from the dead. Story of Easter. By dying for our sins, Jesus has defeated the power of the devil. And by rising from the dead, he has defeated the power of death. So you are free today. You are free today to receive Jesus, to make him Lord of your life, to say that he is going to be first in your life. And when you do that, you will no longer be under condemnation. You will receive the free gift of eternal life. And I wonder what is stopping you from doing that tonight? What is stopping you? As you understand what God has done for you, how are you going to respond to him tonight? Notice what the angel also says, it is good news of great joy. And this by no means refers to, par to a partial half-hearted cheer within our hearts. No, we are overwhelmed with joy. The wise men were overwhelmed with joy. The shepherds experienced this great joy. And the joy we have is one of abundant joy. And such is this joy that we can experience the love of God being poured into our hearts. Now, I know this is because we're in Scotland and we live in this Western context, which is very stiff upper lip, but we get nervous about experiences because they're subjective. And we often don't know what to do about our experience. The experience is vitally important as it's rooted in the Word. So if you can rejoice because you are saved, if you carry peace in your heart because you're, un, you're no longer under condemnation, if you have the powerful experience of hope because you are confident of the future that God has promised for you, well, be encouraged. That is a right and proper way to respond. If it really is true and the good news of the gospel really has changed your life, then it would be very, very strange for us not to experience great joy. The truth of the matter is that that God, what it is that God does in you is only ever possible because of what it is that God has done for you. My invitation to you tonight is to take time to rejoice in the good news of Jesus today. This is what Christmas is all about. We can get so caught up with so many things around Christmas. But my invitation to you this Christmas is to rejoice in the good news of Jesus. Friday uh, after our Christmas gift sale, Paul and James and I ended up going into the Christmas market in George Square with some friends. Uh, and I don't want to say this just in case you've been and you really enjoyed it, but it was a bit, bit rubbish this year. <laughs> Compared to last year, there wasn't many things on. It was windy as well. It was cold. It was chucking it down. It wasn't pleasant. Uh, and no one, and I mean absolutely no one, looked like they were happy. <laughs> no one looked like they were having a good time. Uh, and so we walked around. We saw all of the rides. James had a shot in a few of them. 
and he looked reasonably happy as he was going round in the trains, um, in the rain, with his hood on. And as we kept walking, past the ridiculously priced food, so much food that was so expensive, we eventually reached the back of the market. We came to the very back, and behind the, the market was a glass-cased nativity scene, where it always sits every single year. It sits here every year. And as everything else was lit up behind us, as everything else was getting the attention and offering what appeared to be little or no satisfaction, this nativity scene was sitting in darkness. And no one was looking at it. People were walking by. It was of no interest to anyone. And I want to encourage you this Christmas, do not let that picture of, of the Christmas market in George Square on Friday be a picture of your own soul. Don't let that be your picture. Do not pursue the superficial, the shiny, the material stuff around Christmas and find it leaving you in more need and in greater misery than before. Draw near to the manger scene this Christmas. Discover Jesus afresh this Christmas. See the child wrapped in swaddling cloths. See how far God went to show his love for you. And see how it is he will change your life so that you will experience peace, hope, love, and joy. And see from the inside out that this Jesus, he really is good news of great joy for anyone who is ready to receive him. So that's our invitation to you this Christmas. But it is powerful, but it is profound because you're holding on to this promise of Jesus. He has good news of great joy for you today. Praise God for that. And we're going to respond with a few more songs. Then we're going to have tea and coffee. We're going to have some mince pies together. I know none of us like mince pies, but we're going to eat them. <laughs> and I want to invite you this Christmas to truly receive them. He is the greatest gift you could ever receive this year. And speak with me after our time. Speak with others. We'd be happy to hear your story. We'd love to pray for you if you would like prayer. We want you to know tonight that God has his very best for you. So don't miss out on this wonderful plan that he has. Let's pray together. Father, we, we thank you that, that you are good news and you give us great joy. And you offer this to us tonight. Lord, we, we don't want to turn our back on the manger scene. We want to run towards it. And we want to embrace the incredible truth that, that you dwelt amongst us. And you showed us how to live. And more importantly, you died for us. And you rose from the dead. And today we can receive the gift of your Holy Spirit. And we can become new creations. And we can say with confidence that the old life has gone. Behold, the new has come. And Lord, we pray for that refreshing. We pray that you would renew us, that you would, you would allow us to let go of the things that have so easily entangled us and weighed us down. And by your spirit, you would minister to us and convict us so that we are not looking back, we are looking forward. And we're doing so with confidence in the gospel and in the power of your Holy Spirit. And that would be the greatest gift for us this Christmas. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.